How would you like to go from six figures to eight figures as an e-commerce business owner? Wow. Brett Curry and I just recorded an absolutely amazing podcast episode. Poor, this is so value-packed. Hi, I'm Joe Krause. I'm the host of the Buying Online Businesses podcast. And today, I am speaking with Brett Curry, who is the CEO of OMG Commerce, which is a digital marketing agency, Google Premier Partner. Amazon ad partner as well. And Brett is the host of two leading e-commerce business podcasts, which we talk about, Spicy Curry and E-commerce Evolution, uh, which highlights you know what's new in e-commerce. And he and his team, he's got an award-winning team that they have built. They manage Google ads, YouTube, and Amazon ad campaigns for growing e-commerce brands, usually in the seven to eight figures. Now, they've worked with impressive brands like Native, Boom by Cindy Joseph, Monin, I think it's Organifi, Madison Reed, and so many more. He's a frequent speaker on, you know, e-commerce in, you know, on industry stages like Traffic Conversion Summit, Social Media Marketing World, Celicon, IRCE and more. It's, it's such a valuable episode. Brett and I were excited to speak to each other, enthused about the topics and discussions where we talk about how to actually take an Amazon FBA business to selling off Amazon and building a brand off Amazon and what goes into the evolution of building a brand from around the five to six figure range up to the eight figure range and beyond, even to nine figures. We'll talk about some things that you should have in place before moving your brand off Amazon that can help you set yourself up for success, which is pretty critical, obviously. Then we talk about which platforms are better off to market on uh, based on your e-commerce business, um, based on selling products online and user intent as well and what that even means. Then we move into talking about, you know, how to think about going from selling a product, you know, just in your e-commerce business, which can be the five to six figure range to serving your customers as a community, which is getting you to the seven, eight, and even nine figure range and how that you can shape your e-commerce business into an actual brand that sell more products that actually help more people. Lastly, we sort of talk about some mindset around e-commerce businesses and marketing and why you should flip your thinking and move towards a race to the top rather than what everybody you know is in usually in e-commerce is a race to the bottom and how a race to the top can actually help everyone, even the customers, the business, and the world. So there's so much value in the episode. You're absolutely going to love it. Also, this episode is not the only way that I can help you for free. We do have some awesome free resources on buyingonlinebusinesses.com forward slash free resources that can help you buy businesses and scale them as well. So check that out. Let's dive in. Brett, hello. Welcome to the Buying Online Business Podcast and thanks for coming on. Hey, Jared. How you doing? Man, thanks for having me on and, and really excited to be here. First and foremost, I want to give you a public congratulations uh, for all that you've done. Telling me about the team, the awards that you've won, uh, and just some of the case studies and the people you've worked with is really, really cool. Here on this podcast, we're, we're helping people to buy businesses and then scale them. Uh, there is a portion of people wanting to buy e-commerce businesses and it's ever popular and has been in the last two years with uh, the likes of Thrasio and people jumping into the M&A space, buying a lot of FBA businesses. I have worked and helped uh, some brands, I would say starter brands, I guess, more mm -hmm. e-com in that. I mean, it depends on how you want to categorize it. Go from Amazon to off Amazon because they realize they, they think they have a business, but they don't own the business. Amazon really owns them. Right. So that's a tricky period. What are some of the things that you have seen that have worked and helped people to transition from Amazon to off Amazon and have a viable sales channel that they have 
far more control over? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So I want to dive into this. Uh, I do want to kind of give this caveat or the, this um, additional thought first. And, and I, I know you're thinking this, other people are thinking this. You know, once you can diversify off Amazon, so if, if you're, say, 50% of your e-com revenue is from Amazon and 50% is from your own .com, you're going to be much more valuable as a company. So and I know that's the goal, right? You're buying a business, you're building it for three to five years, you're selling it for a, for a higher multiple. And so diversifying off Amazon is, is critical for that. And, uh, it, but it can be tricky, right? So we, we've done, uh, we've helped kind of both ways. We've helped brands who are not on Amazon get on Amazon. And, and then we've helped brands that are mostly an Amazon brand first. We've helped them try to diversify off Amazon it's actually quite a bit easier to build a brand. If you're good at building a brand direct to consumer, uh, and then you've got this brand equity built up and then you launch on, on Amazon, it's like mm -hmm. you're off to the races, immediate lift in sales. Uh, quick example there. I don't know if you've heard of uh, boom by Cindy Joseph, Jared, yes. but their uh, cosmetic brand skincare brand for, for women over the age of 50 primarily. And so Ezra Firestone, a good friend of mine, we've run all his Google and, and Amazon or Google and YouTube traffic for about six years, seven years, maybe. Uh, we just helped them launch on Amazon. So they, they had this great brand built. They were driving traffic on YouTube and on Facebook and stuff. We built out their brand presence on Amazon and quickly went from like zero to five million a year in sales on Amazon just because they had so much brand equity. Mm. And we deployed everything. Like we, we ran Amazon ads. We, we, you know, we did all the stuff we needed to do on Amazon, but it was easy to scale. Uh, a couple of interesting things there. One, they have the margins to do that, right? They have the <laughs> margins built in where they can invest in top of funnel Facebook and invest in top of funnel YouTube and go out and drive new customers. We've ran into a few other brands that were kind of built for Amazon, right? There have been some snack companies we've worked with, a few other brands that the margins are pretty thin, right? Like they're, yeah. they're the amount they can invest in getting a new customer is like 20 bucks or something, mm. which that can work if the only method you want to use to grow your business is like Amazon ads, right? Because you, you can run Amazon pay-per-click ads and get new conversions and new customers for pretty inexpensively. But if you want to drive Facebook and YouTube traffic to build a, a brand, you need to, be able to spend like 40, 50, 80 bucks to drive a new customer to really do that predictably and scalably. So um, that's a, so if you're looking to buy a business and it's primarily an Amazon business, I want to make sure, hey, do you have good margins there? And is it, yeah. if you maybe you don't make a ton on that first purchase, is there a good repeat uh, purchase, you know, sequence that, that type of thing. And so for helping take someone off Amazon, you know, really the math has to work first, but then we're looking at things like, Hey, you know, the, the same way people shop on Amazon is the way people shop on Google too, for the most part, right? Both of those are search driven, right? If you're buying on Amazon, finding a product you're searching, you're doing the same on Google. So we can often run Google search traffic, Google shopping ads, things like that. And probably so that's kind of the so. first place we start, but then also YouTube. Yeah, go ahead, Jerry. And probably even more so just thinking about the intent. Like I'm very big on and the intent of the, the search. Yes. People are going to Google for answers and products where yep. people aren't really on Amazon going for answers. They're just going straight up for products. So the intent is probably yep. higher. And I guess that's why they 
they've they've become so good at having these e-commerce businesses and I'm not not really calling them brands yet because I want to talk about the difference between a brand and an e-commerce business and what yeah, you know, the different yeah. stages is I'm really really interested about that because I think it's going to be super valuable for everybody they've re- Amazon are really smart really good at keeping people in Amazon and on Amazon and making sure their business stays within Amazon even to a point where people will pay for Google Ads to send people back to the Amazon store. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we do that a lot actually. Yeah. 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 It's crazy, right? Yeah. It's super interesting. And yeah. And it's always, it's, I remember it really surprised me when I first saw it, but then I was like, well, no, it actually makes sense where you know, there, there are millions of searches a month, even for smaller categories. So we had a client mm-hmm. who sells betting on Amazon, but there are millions of people a month that search for various betting terms, like sheet, you know, king size sheet, Amazon, but they're searching on Google, right? So for a lot of people, the, the internet just begins on Google. And so that's where people search. So we do a lot of that. We do a lot of running Google ads back to Amazon, which is I guess, super interesting. I guess we should touch on that because my thinking is that you could be cannibalizing your business by not having the right or selling your products off Amazon and getting a high profit margin if people are just to say mattress, you know, um, posturepedic mattress, and Amazon, the keyword posturepedic magic mattress, Amazon, obviously direct them to Amazon with that. But if you have posturepedic mattress, you'd be crazy to send them to Amazon, right? When you could be having a higher profit margin and building a brand off Amazon to for it to become a viable sales channel. Am I in the right, am I thinking correctly here or? For the most part, I would say, yes, I totally agree with you. I would rather keep, if someone has clearly identified that they're an Amazon shopper, then go ahead and send them to Amazon, right? Because we know there's a lot of people out there, right? Like my, my in-laws, my, my dad, like they, they want to buy on Amazon because they got their account there. They got free shipping. They you know, don't trust other websites or whatnot. Yeah. But there's a, there's a lot of other people, especially this, you know, this really accelerated during the pandemic where like, hey, we trust some other brands. We've, we've purchased products from other brands that are not Amazon and we had a good experience and so we like it. Yeah. Um, so I do like that kind of initial bifurcation or separation where – if someone identifies Amazon, they're searching for it in their in their query. Yes, on Amazon. If it's more of a non-brand category specific or product specific, so posturepedic mattress, yeah, I want to send them to the .com. Now, what you could do, what you could do, and we do have clients to do this as well. Uh, so inside Google Ads, you can uh, if you bid on a, a keyword like posturepedic mattress as an example, you your ad can only show up one time for that search to the same domain, but you could actually run an ad to Amazon and to your own .com for the same keyword. Mm. Um, and so it might be worth testing, right? So maybe it makes sense that you're pushing most of your budget to your own .com for queries that don't include Amazon. Maybe you're testing Amazon a little bit too. Because, you know, there, again, some, sometimes there are people that are like, oh, yeah, I want to buy this on Amazon, but they didn't put Amazon in the query. And so it's not bad to do both, but for the most part, I do like that separation, yeah. Yeah, cool. You mentioned the math, right? The math has to work getting off Amazon. And and that's definitely the tricky part when we have not the high or we, our cost per acquisition is pretty good on Amazon. And and then off Amazon, we're probably, do we need to be spending more for testing at the start when we're trying to get off Amazon and and, and just going for Google traffic? Yeah, I think that's, that's a really good point. So, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people complain about that, man, I'm giving Amazon 15% as a commission, then I got FBA fees and I got advertising fees and stuff. 
but you're going to have expenses when you drive a new customer off Amazon too, right? Mm -hmm. So you're, you're saving that commission. But the reason Amazon charges that commission is because they got built-in traffic. You know, so when you don't have built-in traffic, you're going to be paying that uh, to, to Google or to Facebook or someone else for the most part. Um, so, you know, you know, there's a, there's a few things to, to consider there. Um, you know, I want to, I want to make sure that, that I've got uh, good margins built in and I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Jared, I actually lost my train of thought. What, what was the specific question? It was, uh, what, it was what? mostly around like, do we need to consider having a higher cost per acquisition when we're going? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go and testing. Yes. Yeah, yes. Testing. So, yeah. so both in the early stages, we want to have a higher cost per acquisition. So maybe if you're really comfortable in that 20 to 30 range, mm -hmm. be willing to experiment in the 40 to $50 range, right? Because a couple things are going to happen. Whether you're running Google search or YouTube or Facebook, you're going to see that conversion, that, that, that cost per conversion or that, that CAC, that customer acquisition cost in, in platform. But that's not going to be the total picture, right? That the, mm -hmm. those ads are also going to result in organic traffic and other things. We see this all the time where yeah. somebody's investing in, in fact, I was talking to, a, it, was, it was another mattress company. We, work, we do work with companies outside of the mattress industry, but uh, they're <laughs> actually a very small part of who we work with, but this is just another mattress example where this guy was telling me, he's like, hey, um, you know, we're running Facebook, it's working good, but sometimes we're like, man, it's so expensive. Let's just shut it off for a while. Or let, let's, let's cut it in 50% 50, 50 of our spend down or whatever. Or he, had, he said one time we had a mistake and, and, and Facebook was shut down. And he's like, whoa, nobody's buying, right? Nobody's buying from organic, nobody's buying direct, right? So just shut the whole thing down. So there, there, there are metrics you see in platform of CPA and CAC. Yes. That's not the whole story, right? It's driving yeah. business. There's a halo effect. It's driving business elsewhere. So be willing to spend more than what you think you're comfortable with because there will be a halo effect. There'll be more, more sales generated than what you can see. But then, yeah, you're going to have to test and experiment because... The thing that an Amazon business becomes kind of addicted to or used to is ultra high conversion rates, right? Yeah. So what happens on Amazon? I, I've got full trust in Amazon. Right? I've got full trust that if I buy this product and I hate it, I can return it no problem. Uh, I, I'm going to get it really fast. Like they're just full trust, right? So, so sometimes the conversion rate on a product detail page on Amazon is like 10%. We have some clients where it's like 20 or 25%. That's mm -hmm. mind-bogglingly huge, right? It's because the, the average, right? yeah, yeah, because the average for e-com is like 1% to 3%. Yeah. So, you know, if you're going like you're used to 10% conversion rate on Amazon, now you're building a Shopify store and trying to get traffic. Even if you're really good, it's probably going to be like 3% to begin with. So, so mm -hmm. you're, you got to get used to those things too. You can build a massive brand, really successful business off Amazon, and I think you should. But but the math is different. Yeah, I think people need to like what we were saying before is like the intent of the traffic so high. Anytime you're going to Amazon, you're looking for something to buy. Like you have totally. your, you're ready to spend money. Coming yeah. back to like the Facebook ads and like, oh hey, maybe we'll turn the Facebook ads down a little bit. And then the yeah. example of, oh wow, like we there was a bit of an error, some ads may have got shut down or whatever, and there's no no sales from anywhere. Yep. I think people forget, and I've seen this with marketing campaigns that we run, the global effect of the web where people might yeah. see, all right, this is on Facebook. I do, I like the idea, but I'm going to go and search them on Google yep. and they go to Google and then they get on your email list and then they see a sale in seven days or 10 days or whatever, whatever it is. And then they purchase, but they didn't buy from Facebook. 
but the money was spent there. So there's no cost per acquisition metric that you can get from Facebook. And I think people forget about that. 100% agree. And and it also happens on Amazon, right? So so I'll give you a quick example. We have a, a hair care brand we work with. And they're a big spender on on uh, YouTube. So they spend three or four hundred thousand a month on on YouTube. Probably about the same on Facebook. And so there was a, a period of time right after iOS fourteen when traffic was just all messed up, yes. and they were like, "We're shutting, we're shutting down top of funnel ads, right?" And, and it wasn't forever, but they shut down as they were kind of making sure they had their tracking in place and they were coming up with solutions and things like that. Well, we were also managing their their Amazon business. And uh, we could track brand searches to a certain degree on, on Amazon. And over the course of the next several weeks, uh, branded traffic got cut in half mm. uh, because they cut off, they cut off YouTube and, and Facebook. And so they, they brought it back, right? They're just trying to get tracking figured out. They brought it back. It was fine. But um, yeah, even on, on YouTube, right? I'm sorry, even on Amazon where you're running these top of funnel efforts. And then the next, the next activity that someone's going to take is they're going to search for it on Google or they're going to search for it on Amazon. And that's how they're going to, you know, find and ultimately purchase that product. It's funny. I think back to one of my previous marketing mentors, he used to always, every time we'd have a chat, not every time, but quite often when we'd have a chat, he would, he would mention that like, just keep, keep spending the money on the marketing, just keep that, keep money there rolling into the account and, and spending money on, on the marketing. Because every two to three weeks, I get somebody call me up and like, Hey, like his name's Liam's like, Liam, my, I'm not making much more money anymore. Like, I don't know what's going on. And the first thing you'd ask him is like, ask them is like, what, you know, how much are you spending on your ads? Like, oh, I sort of decreased it a little bit. Like that's because (laughs) Facebook wasn't providing the results. But like, it's the global thing. I want to segue into thinking about people going off Amazon and searching on Google and, and likewise and coming coming full circle on how do we get our brand or e-commerce business off Amazon to another sales channel yeah. outside of it for our own brand. When you are setting that up, like the CPA may cost a little bit more with traffic generation from Google ads to your own store, but are you having other things set up in place like making sure you're capturing emails, putting them through a marketing campaign, upsells, downsells um, through the ads of cart to make sure that you can try your best to make up for the higher costs of acquisition before, yeah, you, totally. before you do that stuff. Yeah, totally. So what we, um, in, in kind of the early days of our agency, we were all mainly all Google traffic, right? Like organic mm-hmm. Google, paid Google, YouTube. Uh, we, we don't do any organic Google anymore. Then we added our Amazon uh, side of the business. Now we're like full brand management on Amazon, Amazon ads and everything. But one of the, and then we added email marketing as well, because we, for this very reason, we found that, hey, we can drive a ton of traffic from YouTube and it's pretty low cost traffic, right? Like dollar a click, $2 a click, whatever. It's pretty, pretty cheap to get someone there from YouTube, but they're often early in their shopping journey. So if we can uh, provide a pop-up that's either fun or funny or cool or just useful, and we can capture that email address. Now we can get someone on a drip, you know, kind of a, a welcome sequence or indoctrination sequence. We've, we've called it at, at times. So getting the getting the email flow set up, grabbing SMS text as well if we can, and then building out a really robust remarketing mm. program as well, right? Where hey, it's once you get that visitor, now to remarket to that visitor on Facebook or on YouTube or even through Google is pretty affordable. So we want to get that built out. 
uh, as well. And so, so yeah, we definitely want to any way we can, right? How do yeah. we how do we capture that that user and then follow up with them? So it's kind of like using paid media, then getting some owned media, which is kind of what we would call you know an email list. Getting that all yeah. working together is super important. I love email. I love email marketing, and I, I still yeah. believe it's so undervalued by so many not just brands, but businesses. Uh, it is. Yeah. And, and, you know, we know some brands that like 40% of their revenue email touches, right. And, and you can't give like necessarily 40% credit to email because without Facebook and YouTube and top of funnel efforts, you yeah. wouldn't, you wouldn't have had this, but, but YouTube, or I mean, um, emails often what closes the deal. Right. And so it's like yeah. super, super valuable, but I, I agree with you. It's, often undervalued just from like an approach standpoint, mm. but also in the, in a structure. And actually I just saw it with a huge brand we work with big brand, uh, spending multiple seven figures a month on ads. They, they don't send out emails very often at all, but when oh. they do, it's like sales <laughs> spike. And we're like, guys, Hey, just, just an idea here. What if we like emailed every week? What if we emailed a couple times a week, you know, it's so actually, yeah. we're actually working on, on a plan there now, but yeah, it's funny. Oh, like some people just say, no, 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 no. Let's just go get new people. You know? Uh, well, okay. But we can close more new people with email. Just if you're spending multiple seven figures, why don't you just put at least $1 million into somebody building your good marketing campaign? I'm sure you get right, something pretty right. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So talking about remarketing ad budget wise, obviously it's going to be far better to have them locked into the ecosystem, I guess, via email, maybe following you on different socials and stuff like that. So that relationship can get built. What sort of ad budget are you looking at, like in generating new traffic to the site percentage wise, and then what percentage, you know, for remarketing, I guess? Yeah, so this this does vary, and I can kind of give you some um, some cat or, or some examples. Mm. But often we're wanting to spend like eighty percent of our ad budget driving new people, you know, to the site, and and then twenty percent on on remarketing. Could be sixty forty, could be seventy thirty, but but the most common is about eighty twenty. Mm. I think a few exceptions are, uh, you know, we like we like to kind of put businesses into to two main categories, and there's always overlap, but uh, demand capture and demand generation. So a demand capture product would be like, it's something you only um, buy when you've got a need and you and you, then you're searching for it, right? Mm -hmm. Where demand capture is like, no, nah, I'm not looking for it, didn't even know it existed, but now that I see it, it's awesome. So a couple examples, um, I think auto parts are a pretty good example of demand capture, you know, mm -hmm. like brakes or mufflers, like, like nobody's, nobody's gonna see an ad and be like, you know what? I do want to upgrade my brake pads. That's a good idea. It's like, no, there, there's a need of squeaking. I have trouble stopping. So I'm going to go search for it and buy it. Well, yeah. probably go to the mechanic. But anyway, if, if I buy it, you know, if I'm going to, if I'm going to do it yourself or I'm going to search for it online, I'm going to buy it. Yeah. Um, or there could be other products like uh, uh, Boom by Cindy Joseph was in this category. It's a kind of a, a cosmetic or makeup brand for women over the age of 50. And so they're all about pro-age, like not anti-age, but embrace where you are. Look your best, yeah. but embrace where you are in your life. And so nobody's searching for pro-age cosmetics, right? Mm -hmm. So we needed to show someone the message of, here's why you're powerful at this stage of your life. And you don't need to look like you're 20, you look like you are now, but just look your best. So anyway, that, that was more of a, that's more of a demand generation. So depending on which of those two categories you fall into, that might shape your budget a little bit more. So like with, with uh, demand uh, generation, Maybe I do have to invest a little bit more in remarketing because that that 
uh, YouTube ad or whatever, it's like a novel idea. It's like, oh, that's a new concept. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to uh, manage to see it a few times. Whereas if it's something like brake pads, eh, you're leaning into search and shopping or Amazon ads. And it's kind of like, a yeah, it's a good price. I'll just buy it, you know. So so it does yeah. kind of depend there. But th- th- those are some kind of rules of thumb. And it's, that sort of brings up another question. And thanks for that. That's cool. Uh, around customer journey before they're mm-hmm. ready to buy. How much emphasis do you put on the journey when you're setting up the campaigns obviously you know that like somebody's got the the need they're going to purchase within what i don't know maybe seven days as an example versus where do you where do you push people to that just wanting say something that's pro age and they might be just wanting to test the waters and then maybe three months down the track they they want to purchase from you how does how do those sorts of campaigns differ? Yeah, so I I you know I was always thinking about hey what what stage is someone in mm. when they're shopping if they're if they're aware they have a problem but they're not aware that any solution exists then that's going to shape the message if they're aware of their this is kind of going back to Eugene Schwartz I don't know if you ever read his book uh, Breakthrough Advertising but if they're aware of a problem they're aware of a solution too but not aware of our solution that's going to shape the way I say things. Mm. If they're aware of like my competitors, but not aware of me, that's going to shape things a little bit. If they've been to my website, they're aware of all of it. That's going to shape my message a little bit. But yeah. usually, what we like to do is, is I like to build out that bottom of funnel first. Meaning, I want to get good, solid, branded search campaigns. So if someone is searching for me by name, um, then I want to be able to I want to show up for that both as a brand defense to keep competitors at bay, but also you just get a lot of data if you're running branded ads. If you don't run branded ads, like you don't get all the data you need from Google Analytics from a, like a keyword perspective or from Search Console anymore. So uh, I like to run those brand campaigns. I like to get uh, search for like category searches and Google Shopping set up because again, just like we talked about before, if someone sees our ad on Facebook, on YouTube, wherever. And then they don't buy right away. One of their next opportunities, one of their next activities is going to be a search for it. Mm. Um, then I like to set up remarketing campaigns. So uh, site visitors is kind of the all site visitors is kind of the first step. But then people that view a product page, people that add to cart but don't purchase, like just kind of segment those. Mm. And then really focus on those people like the first three days after that action happens, right? If you're remarketing to someone two weeks, three weeks, a month after they went to your site, you get some, but not not as much. Like I really want to focus on those first three days for the most part. Because they so get colder, build up right? that remarketing. Yeah, what's that? That's because they get colder. Like as long you leave it, is exactly. That, is that correct? Okay. Yeah, they get colder. So really, what we're doing, like I, I don't mind remarketing to someone if it's been like thirty days since they've been to the site, mm. but I want to bid less. I want to pay less. Whatever. Like it's just it's not going to convert as highly. And so I want to I want to structure that differently. Maybe have those people in a different ad group or different campaign or whatever. Because I want to spend less, I want to bid less because they're not going to convert as well. So then once I have that built out and you're going to have slightly different messaging, right? If someone's been to the site and they haven't purchased, you know, my my remarketing YouTube ad is going to be different, right? Maybe I just lean into just testimonials, right? Where people are just like, hey, I was skeptical before I saw this mattress topper, but man, I'm 30 days in now and I'm getting the best sleep of my life and, you know, whatever, like just, you know, we, we got the, we, we're leaning into testimonials. So those ads are going to be a little different from if I'm running top of funnel. So I build out the bottom of funnel first and then I start looking at, okay, now let's run, you know, some, some mid funnel, upper funnel, upper funnel campaigns 
for people that are maybe not aware of us at all, right? Because I know I'm going to close more once I have that uh, solid bottom of funnel structure. Yeah. But also think about, yeah, get your email opt-in, email campaigns, get those built before you really go crazy on uh, top of funnel. Yeah, cool, cool. I want to bring up the... Uh the evolution of an e-commerce business into a brand um, yeah. because that's very interesting. I, th- I think a lot of people that maybe have an e-commerce business and they're doing okay, they might be making two to $5,000 a month and they want to go, all right, let's get this thing to, you know, seven figures. Let's get to 100K a month and and then go from the seven to the eight figures, which is, I know that's where you play, but I'm sure that you yeah. Would know a lot about the evolution of this from five to six figure brand. How does somebody go from like, or what is the evolution of a brand or, or an e commerce business into a brand? And what does that sort of look like? And what are some of the milestones people should be looking to achieve? And some of the things, this is going to be a, a like not just one answer, but like a conversation around around how yeah. the evolution happens. But yeah, what does it look love like? Love this, love this question. Yeah. So we, and we do play, we're more like in the, hey, taking a seven figure brand, turning it into an eight figure, even. Mm-hmm you know, how you figure into nine, that that's the space we play in the most. But yeah, uh, yeah, I think I think the real transition is when you go from a product first business to more of a a uh, person first business or mm. customer first business, meaning you go from, hey, I'm really good at creating this widget. I'm really good at like, like boom by Cindy Joseph was this way for a while. Really good at creating boomstick and they got a couple other things. So then being like, Hey, people love our brand. And so this is who we serve. These are, you know, women over the age of 50. They're affluent. They're powerful. They've got community. Let's just serve them. And so then they started launching like mascara and uh, uh, Boom Bright and other things that I'm forgetting now. And so they, they became more of a, a customer centric business rather than a product centric business. I love it. So it's more about like, how do I really speak to my ideal prospect? and then delight them with additional products. Because you know what we're seeing, brands that are really scaling in that seven, eight figure, nine figure area, they're, they're probably adding you know a couple new products a year minimum, sometimes it's more than that. Uh, but it's not just like random products. It's, it's thinking very specifically around who is our ideal prospect? You know, who are we really good with connecting with? Who can we build a community with? Who does our current product serve? And then how can we expand on that? Mm. And um, I think this is this is a really important uh, journey. In fact, I recorded a podcast on this uh, on my podcast with uh, Catherine Lavery from Best Self Co. And uh, she's brilliant. She's so smart. But but they they had like these productivity journals, and and then uh, she's like, well, what else could we do? Okay, we're selling to business people. Well, let's sell ma- mouse pads, and let's like you know, I'm just making stuff up. I think that was one. Let's sell mouse pads, and let's sell we'll sell mugs, and we'll sell pens, and like none of that works. Right, but what they realized is, hey, we're, uh, and I may not be getting this exactly right, but this this, this will still be impactful, I think. We're like, hey, we're more of a we're a productivity company. That's what we do, right? That's what these these journals that, that people love so much. Mm. It's productivity. We're like getting getting their head, you know, their their thoughts clear and clear action plans. So, what do we create that's going to support that? So then they launched a whole line of products that supported that. And it went really very well. And they didn't sell very many mouse pads or pens or some of those other things that they tried. And so it's really, yeah, shifting into that that customer first business yeah. and really understanding who can we delight, who can we serve, and what else do they want and need. Um, and the beauty there is then that, that raises LTV, right? Lifetime value customer. Now you can go out 
and spend yeah. more. So now we can go out and spend 80 bucks to, to acquire a new customer, which just opens up the world to you, you know? Whereas if you know, I can spend like 15 bucks to acquire a new customer, okay, cool. Like you can run Google search probably, you can run Amazon ads and that's yeah. probably about it. I really like, I have an example of how I help somebody serve better in their business and increase the LTV, which I'll come back to. But I really like the thinking as a business owner or the thoughts that a business owner can have for an e-commerce business to go, all right, cool. I need to make the product so damn awesome. Also, some I feel like some people in that range are f- more focused on, like they're in the survival range of like, I right. need to make right. money. I need to sell as many products as I can. It's just one product focused on it, all that sort of stuff. Um, and that's just okay. That's like, I think where most people start out at, and, and I, that was me for sure. Just totally. focusing on like, how do we, how do we make money? So I don't have to go back to a day job or <laughs> yeah. you know, whatever it is. Right. It's exactly. Yeah. Nothing wrong. Yeah. We, we all go through that stage. No doubt. Yeah. And to a, to a point where like people love the products and I think this is what helps and it could have helped, um, with the productivity journal, uh, is that understanding people love where we're at or what our business is doing in their products, but asking them why, getting feedback on why, yes, and yes. getting feedback on the experience of purchasing, getting feedback on all that sort of stuff. And that is data that you can literally take and go, all right, cool. They're asking for this. Yeah. Let's give them this product rather than thinking, oh, let's just sell a mouse pad and a cup and some pens and some yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, it can make sense, right? A, a pen for a journal. Um, totally. But as long as yep. it's got a good brand behind it and, you know, the pen has a mission and a story, but that's what we did with a, a rug company. One of our clients is selling rugs and we're like, let's, we, we need to put some upsells, downsells, order bumps, all that yep. sort of thing and serve them better and help them. Worked out that there, there were that some non-slip pads that you can put underneath a rug. So when people yep. are running around the house, you're chasing their kids or their pets or whatever, they, their rugs aren't slipping around and causing injury. And the conversion rate is massive when you add them on because you're just helping people further. And I think that's it's really good thought process to have as a business owner of like, how do we serve better? Because once once you start to serve better, then you can come out of the survival phase anyway, I believe. Yeah, totally agree with that. And, and that's such an important point. And, and, you know, not just guessing because we're, you know, we're all entrepreneurs. We're pretty smart people, right? We wouldn't be here if we weren't smart. And so a lot of times yeah. we just think, well, no, if I just think about this, I'll figure it out. And that may be true, but why not just ask, just ask your customers like what they want. And then you may be like, maybe you had gone down the path of, oh, we're a rug company. We're a home decor company. Let, let's do picture frames next. Right. So, mm-hmm. but no, people just say, I want my rug to not slide when my kids are running around. So, mm-hmm. sell that, sell that pad underneath. And now maybe 20, 30, 40% of people buy that, that totally changes the economics of your business. And so, yeah, just, just ask. I love that advice. You know, yeah. Uh, I, I heard that too with, um, uh, a buddy of mine sells like weighted blankets. And so, mm-hmm they found like there's a lot of people that wanted them but they were too hot and that so they, again they start start trying to sell ancillary products people are like no, no no i just want like a i want cool sheets but also if i get a, a cool weighted blanket i'd buy that and so yeah so just asking asking customers what, what is it that you want you know and, and why <laughs> why didn't you buy more why didn't you recommend this to someone else and and you'll get some some brilliant ideas from that we ha- we had a weighted blanket and as you know a man normally I'll run hot 
when I'm sleeping and partner and it's not. So like yep. the weight the weight of blanket was way too hot for both of us. <laughs> I, I can't handle it. I can't yeah. handle it. I can't do it. I feel claustrophobic. Yeah. My wife loves weighted blankets. I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, keep keep that over there. I can't I can't handle that thing. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's it's a super super popular product these days. Very interesting. Yeah. And to get that feedback to be able to, you know, maybe, you know, you want a way to blanket that is half cool and half warm so you yeah, can have it for yeah. like two, like this is what i would be thinking about i've even looked at beds like this there's a, a mattress company called eight sleep maybe a competitor yeah it's they've got different different cooling systems in the bed based Super on interesting feedback that people are saying hey like this is how i want to sleep and track my sleep and all that sort of stuff yeah and it is so interesting that it turns out a lot of a lot of couples that are compatible a lot of people that are sleeping together don't sleep the same way. Like, no. you know, one person's hot, one person's cold. One person likes a firm mattress, one person likes a... So it's, it's super, just super funny, like one of those comical things of life that this person yeah. that I love more than anything and that I'm super close to, yeah, we don't like the same things uh, when we're trying to sleep. So yeah, anyway. Yeah, I, I could go into a big conversation around around sleep. I'm, I'm so into it. I'm sure you could too. It's, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm into it as well. And it's one of those things I used to not think about. I was you know cramming caffeine late in the evenings and... Mm. You know, on screens late in the evening. I still do that on occasion, but uh, yeah. but yeah, thinking about sleep and man, just the, the the way you're more productive, smarter, better, all that when you sleep, it's 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 huge. Yeah, yeah, can't overstate it. Yeah, your health, your health is your wealth, right? So totally agree. Yeah. We've got we've got um, an evolution of going from all right, maybe I'm at five to six ish figures in my e-commerce business selling products, and now I need to serve. And I guess the data and the feedback that they're asking for through email and um, after purchasing, you know, reviews and stuff like that, that can help them build their brand based on the words, the exact words that customers are speaking, because then you're speaking their language and you can make that a part of your brand. How do you, what's, the, what does it look like going from like the six ish to the seven figures, that sort of stage? And then what does it look like going from the seven to the eight, eight ish figures in terms of, are there things that you need to change within the brand with your marketing campaigns? What does, what are those two stages look like? I guess. Yeah, it's super interesting. So, so this, you know, again, we're, we're more in the, the larger stage. That's kind of where we play. So that's where most of my experience is. But yeah. I, I think, you know, a few of the things and you, and you pointed these out, you know, if we're looking at what are customers telling us in, in reviews or what are they saying about our product? Or, uh, I, I also this great interview with, uh, uh, the founder of Tushy, Mickey Agarwal. So Tushy's are the, those are the bidet products, like the, the, the bolt-on bidet, you know, to your to your toilet, which is also this, the, the kind of a new trend and super interesting. But they, uh, she she just surveyed a bunch of customers and said, Tushy is fill in the blank. Right? Fill in the blank, like, what is it? What is it to you? And so then people gave all kinds of crazy answers. I don't remember a lot of them, but one of them was like, eye candy, but bliss, right? Just, just stuck in my head. It was just funny. It's like, it's eye candy because it looks good. And you know, my butt's never been happy or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and so like, <laughs> she just turned those into ads, right? So we're like, we're, we're getting comments from customers, we're turning those into ads. So I, I think, you know, as we, as we transition into stages, it, it's more about what are we investing in and are we investing in the right things? Mm. I think, you know, you've always got to have the core of good product photography clear communication like it, your product needs to to represent or or your your messaging needs to represent your brand and your product really well um and then we're, we're kind of just laddering up with some of our efforts so i think you can grow for a long time like you know go from zero to seven figures by mostly focusing on 
uh, kind of foundational stuff. So search ads on Google, search ads on Amazon, some Facebook and YouTube, things like that. And then I think you keep getting stronger and stronger at the core while you spend more on those on those top of funnel efforts. But typically, you know, I know some brands that have gone from zero to seven figures on just a couple of products, right? So then, yeah. then as you add, then the game really just becomes adding more products and getting better at different, you know, traffic channels and mm-hmm. and how do we how do we you know try to reduce the the cost per acquisition? But I think that's actually less the game and more the game is how can I spend more to acquire a customer? How can I build my business on the back end where I'm selling a more diversity of products or I'm selling, you know, raising my AOV, raising my, my frequency of repurchase so that I can spend more, right? Because ad costs are going up, they're not going down. Competition is going up, it's not decreasing, right? Yeah. So how can I structure the business so that I can spend more? How am I also relentlessly cutting waste from my advertising efforts? But But the goal should not be, Hey, I want to get my customer acquisition cost down to thirty bucks. Like that's that's not sustainable, right? But how can I how can I make money and make lots of money if I can get my customer acquisition cost up to fifty or sixty or seventy or eighty? You know, that's, that, that type. That's of thing. a so, brilliant question to be asking yourself, and some brilliant thoughts because you can. How do you make your business more profitable so you can spend more money and increase your yeah. increase what you pay? But why I really like it is I'm thinking com- competition wise is like the harder you make it for your competition to spend totally. that money. It's just like, you're just like, you can't, you can't like, you can't touch us because we're able yeah. to spend this amount of money. And that's where yeah. the market's at. Just because we've just tightened some nuts and bolts around our business, made it more profitable. That's a brilliant It's question. a competitive advantage. Yeah. If you can spend yeah. more to acquire a customer than your competitor can, than your competitor can, you, you almost always win in that case. Yeah. It's a really good thing. I like the ideology of instead of a race to the bottom, it's a race to the top. Yeah. Like it's it's really cool thing to think about. Yeah, yeah, because that race to the bottom, it like it ends in nobody being happy ultimately. It's right? not, not, not even customers, right? Like not yeah. customers don't want to pay like the cheapest amount possible necessarily. Customers don't want to waste money either, but mm. really they just want like a product that makes them feel good and, and solves their need. And yeah. we want you know back to the brand building thing. Um, when you can position and, and actually a, a buddy of mine runs a raindrop. Uh, agency out of San Diego, and they uh, helped launch Doctor Squatch. You know, Doctor Squatch is a soap company for for okay. dudes. Yeah, right. It, they well, so Raindrop helped them go from like three million a year to three hundred million over a course of several years. But the thing they they came up with is like, hey, we need to go from this is just a soap company to this is more of a lifestyle company. Mm. And and you know what people often think about and, and why people buy things is what what that product says about me, right? So mm-hmm. I want to buy a brand and a product because of what it says about me, right? I want to drive a BMW and I don't, I'm pretty practical in my automobiles, but I want to drive a BMW because that says I'm successful, right? It says that I'm, I'm significant. It says that I I made a lot of money, Mm -hmm. right? I actually drive a Toyota truck. I love it. But um, (laughs) yeah, so, so it's like, what, what does this product say about me? So when they switch Dr. Squatch from just like it's natural soap to this is soap for, I don't even remember what the messaging is now, but it's, it's for guys. And it's like, super fun and funny and it's like no no i i, I want to be like that guy i like mm. that guy mm. and uh it's scaled so you know what is what does the product say about you um and how am i how, how am i associating that with my identity that that can shift price and so you could buy a lot cheaper soap than dr squatch but mm. some people buy it and, add, and there, there are limitations there right it's not like 100 100 bucks a bar of soap or anything but it's a premium 
but people love it, right? Because of the experience of it, what they believe it says about them. So yeah, the race to the bottom really doesn't help anybody, customers included. Yeah, and it's the it's a lose lose, customers included, and and yep. businesses go down. But the opposite is true where it's a win-win for customers because totally. if, if it's a race to the top, it's a win-win for customers because they buy better products, they yeah. feel better about themselves, the right. brands are better, which means for anybody to compete, you have to have a better superior product or service. So it's just making the game in that niche and that product better and better and better and better. And that's what we totally. need in this world, right? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And, that, and that's what I love about, you know, e-commerce brands and product businesses, because I, I believe that like sometimes simple products can make your life better, right? Like I, I can think of several things that I purchased, even my coffee grinder. It wasn't cheap, but like, I love that thing. I just yeah. love it. I mean, it's, it yeah. makes my life better. Could I live without it? Of course. But I mean, I probably could live without coffee, but I could live without the grinder, but I love it. Right. And so, so like simple, good products make your life better. And I never would have... That grinder wouldn't exist if every coffee uh, product, coffee equipment company was doing a race to the bottom. It just it wouldn't exist. Brett, thanks so much for coming on. Where can we? You've got a couple of podcasts. You've got a lot going on. Where can we send people to check out your podcast and um, your main your main business, primary business? Yeah, absolutely. So I've got. Uh, thank you for that. I got you got two podcasts. So um, kind of the long standing podcast that's about weekly. I should probably be more consistent, but it's almost weekly. Uh, it's called e-commerce evolution. So we talk about what's new and what's next in e-commerce. So e-commerce evolution, wherever you like to get podcasts. Uh, the other one that's kind of newer, it's called spicy curry. My last name is curry. And so we get kind of spicy, but it's uh, all just like big names in e-commerce. So uh, Ezra Firestone, Justin Brooke, Molly Pittman, uh, Mickey Agarwal from Tushy. Um, and so we're talking about, you know, kind of next level e-commerce stuff. That's a season-based uh, podcast. So season one is out now. It's like eight episodes. So check that out again, wherever you get podcasts. And then, yeah, you know, run a performance marketing company. So if you need help with, you know, Google YouTube ads or with, you know, running an Amazon brand, um, we can help with all of that. So happy to chat. OMGcommerce.com is the best way to get uh, in touch with us. But uh, yeah, happy to connect with whoever. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on, guys. Links will be to those in the show notes. Make sure you do check them out because they are solid. Uh, everybody that is listening, thank you for listening. If you are going to buy an e-commerce business, re-listen to this again. If you have an e-commerce business, re-listen to this again. Not right away. Maybe wait a week or two, digest and process some things and then come back to it because it's like reading a book. You know, there's some things that you may have missed out on. So come back, listen to this again and share this with somebody else that has an e-commerce business. Yes, selfishly, it helps Brett and myself and our businesses help more people. That's what we actually want as well. But also it's helping you help your friends and people that you love too. So please share this. Looking forward to speaking to you guys again soon.